0: Joining me now is our good friend, Barb Lampson, with some good news. Good morning, Barb. Hey, Karen, there's always good news. and You know, last week we briefly
1: mentioned that uh, the commissioners had put a a fishing dock out on Duck Lake,
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: it was uh, uh, called the Hodap Family Fishing Dock. And so Sunday night, about 6 o'clock, David and I went out to take a look at that. That was one of our favorite lakes. Uh, when our children were small when they started uh, inner tubing and water skiing oh. because it, it was always uh, less used and let me tell you um, it, it families still appreciate and enjoy that that lake and also that dock, it's just beautiful we saw families on the dock they were they were fishing and they there's large spaces it's t-shaped so you go off to Mm. the end and then you can either go to the right or the left just beautiful it's safe it it has high railings on it so children can't fall through but that was just really a beautiful spot they've also uh uh sand and uh Improved the shoreline, and we sat at a picnic table, and we watched a family with about five children playing in the water together. It was just a joy to see them. The youngest one, the mother was holding, and the baby was splashing his feet in the water and After they came out of the water, I talked to them and I told them how much we enjoyed seeing the family there and the father said you know we love this lake it's the cleanest lake that we can find and uh so we come here every weekend at least once on the weekend and if i get done work in time we come out once during the week he said what we're doing is we're making memories Aww. with our children isn't that great that's
0: awesome yeah
1: and i said to him you know that's what we did with our children and our grandchildren and in sitting here watching you, um, enjoying this, you know, people need to get out and see what their tax dollars are paying for. This is absolutely free. There seems to be plenty of space uh, where you can separate yourself and, and feel safe out there. The beaches are clean. The water look clean. Um, it, it was just, that's really the good news that we're, they're, we're doing these things and that we're on the same page. Um, so I was glad to see so much effort put into a lake. So then uh, today in the newspaper, I read about uh, Tom Miller's uh, uh, statue, hand-carved mm-hmm. stone statue of um sitting bull, sitting bull. Yes. yes, and they placed it in Benson Park. That's a great Place for families to go and, and begin to understand how important the, uh, the Dakota and the Lakota and other Indian peoples were to our area and that this was their land.
0: And, the, so you that know, that park also has a prairie look. I don't know if it was planted specifically for prairie, but, you know, <laughs> this is what this area used to be, is, is prairie land.
1: Yeah, exactly. We were on the edge of the prairie and the big woods, so we had the benefit of, of both areas, and uh, this is a prairie up there, and so Sitting Bull is sitting looking out. And they said in the article, protecting the prairie. Uh, sitting Bull never lived in this area, but it um, it's important to honor him and uh, his people for what they for what they did do and for their time they lived here. And then I read the article earlier this week about uh, um, Arnie Lillo and his building the uh, um, uh, ark. And um, uh, this is, you know, children hear the story about uh, the ark and how the animals are saved in that. And this is a man who's been building and interpreting history for the last 22 years, and he's having an open house at his um, uh, rural residence, uh, which is rural Good Thunder this weekend, so you can go out and you can see this wonderful art and the scale of the animals and the people in that, and another opportunity to talk about um, history and uh, things that they'll be reading about so those are those are the good news. We always have lots of good news going on, and we're so lucky to live in this region I think and then of course, you know um, I can't miss an opportunity to talk about the weather this past week. It was cool and it was it's just beautiful, and things are just growing and looking really healthy and a gardener observer's uh, observation, but I felt there are, we're getting down to a trickle of Japanese beetles.
0: Do you yes, think- I do. You know, I was, I was just thinking about that. My uh, hardy hibiscus start to bloom in mid-July, and that's about when the beetles start, and they quit blooming in about the first week of September, and that's when the Japanese beetles pretty much are trickling almost done so i just thought wow they, they they are in that season and maybe that's why part of the reason why my hibiscus gets so so heavily hit by the japanese beetles but i've been picking and i've got uh, buckets full of them you know and i just leave and yeah. i just keep adding more and boy do they stink but i don't care i just feel these feels good to see all of them that i've hopefully prevented from laying grubs in the ground for next year
1: yeah I, I've been scouting, and uh, it, it, I don't necessarily find any on the raspberries now um, or on the cannas, but you never can tell if there's an isolated bunch that are going to crop up. So, so I, too, have soapy water ready for them, and, and they will go in there.
0: I did try some um, um, garlic spray that I made. Yes, how is that working? Because you mentioned that you were going to let us know yeah. how the, the project is going.
1: You know, it's hard to tell. Oh. Did it have any benefit or did they just naturally go into the ground? after yeah. They lay their eggs in. So I'll have to try it again next year. Um, I have one rose bush that I put it on and I had, um, let's see, yesterday I had a total of six beetles and the day before that I had a total of four beetles. <laughs> so, I don't know, again, you know, is it nature that's taking care of it, uh, or
0: did I? Well, they generally it. say they have a season of about six weeks, and I'll have to tell you, it was a couple days ago in my hibiscus uh, flower, I just saw a couple, but then I picked the entire flower, and there was 22 Japanese beetles hiding under the, the little oh, yeah. the, the petals, and I thought, how <laughs> can you have 22 in one little flower? It was hard to believe, Barb, but, yeah. you know, that's the thing. They hide, and you know what's coming out now are the aphids. I've noticed a ton of aphids. Oh, um, that I have
1: two yeah, aphid eggs.
0: On and the on the milkweed, they love to, to, on milkweed. So I did actually pick a bunch of my uh, world milkweed that was covered with aphid eggs, and yep. I took all the monarch, monarch caterpillars off, and we've actually ha- now have three, uh, chrysalises, so that was kind of fun.
1: Yeah, and that's great. And, you know, I started with that last week, and I had it on both the, uh, uh, the milky, milkweed, the native one. Yes. And I also had it on uh, the one that, the orange one, the Asclepias, which is, mm-hmm. a, um, uh, I think it's been hybridized. Butter, and,
0: It's called butterfly weed. I th- it, yeah, yeah, it's called
1: butterfly, right. They love, they, they're laying the eggs And it's by the milkweed pod and by where the flower was. I didn't find any on the undersides of leaves. I just found them in that area. And with that, I just take a plastic bag out. I cut that whole area off. I put it in a plastic bag. I tie it up and put it in the garbage.
0: Well, I read, you know, some way if you don't want to actually get rid of the plant, someone says, you know, you can take like a, a wet rag or something and go up the stem because a lot of times they're all on the stems and stuff and just kind of yeah. wa- yeah. wash them off. And I mean, or take your fingers if you don't mind the the gooeyness right. of them but i mean because they're starting to come out now but i think the um they're not box elder bugs the soldier beetles i think that uh, aphids is what, something that they'll eat so if you see those soldier beetles although those little orange uh yes. kind of elongated ones with little black spots a uh, yep, couple black yep. spots on the back of their um wings or uh and then they actually will eat some of those soft body insects like the aphids so they're good good guys
1: yeah <laughs> And that's really important to know uh, what the good guys are. They're yes. harder to identify than the bad guys. Yes. The bad guys and their and their eggs. But also because we've had such, you know, we've had such great weather. I have a lot of perennials that are really big, and they should be moved. Mm-hmm. Um, it, sometimes, uh, you know, they they grow from the outside, and those uh, plants along the edges. They are the ones that you're getting the flowers for, and they bloom. They look really healthy, and the center looks like it's just kind of, you know, empty. And so I uh, went through, I listed things that that should be divided now, and then I took my research book. Just to make sure what I was doing, um, I have a book, it's called Growing Perennials in Cold Climates, and it was written by Minnesotans Mike Hager and Deb Lonley and John Whitman. It lists 2,000 different uh, hardy perennials for our area and uh, what their needs are. Then I took these uh, perennials that, I, that needed dividing, and I put them into categories so that I had those that needed shade but would tolerate some sun but needed moisture. Then I had those that would grow in full sun, hot, and had deep roots and didn't need as much moisture. And I started grouping those, and then I took a, a bushel basket, and I took some compost, and, and I amended that compost with uh, sphagnum and then also with uh, 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 worm castings and with um, bone meal, organic bone meal, and, um, and, and with crab meal, and mixed that all together, got that ready then I went to where I was going to put these, dug the holes, got, got my ferns out of the way, and, and brought them in, and brought them in plant by plant so that I could just plant them immediately, get them back in the soil, and amended the soil there and then put my hose down, which is hooked up to the rain barrel, and then really soak them in well. And then the last thing now is getting, I'm going to put dried leaf cut uh, uh, grass cuttings on them for mulch.
0: Oh, good. Mm -hmm.
1: And and I'm watering daily. So um, that's one way to get things in. And you know what? They never miss the beat, any of them. So... um, Um, They're they're all looking great, but I have a big area that I'm working on, and I'm going to save some space for annuals. I've just kind of fallen in love with annuals, things that you plant from seeds. I found up at my garden this year I had um, bachelor buttons, and you know that is that there's a blue that you can get in bachelor buttons that get it in any perennial it's just so blue and they clump
0: so nice i always think it must be indigo because you know what is indigo and i think well that must be the color of a bachelor button i made that up i don't know but it just seems like that because it's one of those things that's kind of hard to describe
1: it is and they have they have a stalk and then they have branching out from that stalk. Mm -hmm. but when you you know if you have a lot of them you can take that net main stock, bring that home, and use that in an arrangement. Then it's really tall, and then you have these. As it's in the water, um, you, you'll have more of them that will open up. It just, it's just—it's just really a, a nice plant, um, and up there. Um, it does really well in the wind and in the full sun all day long. And well,
0: Barb, course, had, I found with bachelor buttons, though, in the past, they bloom and then they kind of die out before the, the fall, though. That's what I've always had, unless it's just a variety I've had, so I was kind of kind of disappointed, the fact that, you know, they have this nice bloom and then it's sort of they die out.
1: You know, one of the things that I've, that I've found true about everything is um, with annuals, or perennials, you have to keep cutting off the spent blooms
0: okay so maybe i just had
1: them to, to make more blooms for you so if you can be diligent about that i think that that's one way to extend that season um and same way with the zinnias oh my goodness the zinnias um they're as tall as um i'd say they're easily 30 inches tall this year
0: Oh, I've had ones that you know that, that'll go up to, to three to three to, to four feet too. You, I mean, there's all different varieties, and they are just so beautiful. But if you keep picking those, same with the cone flowers, I notice if I keep cutting those, more come uh, yep. as yep. well. And you know, I've I've been given my my super haircuts too because a lot of people I notice have just this really. Just stringy looking ones because they're all straggly but if you just give them a you know a nice cut about a third of them off and then they come back within a week or so and they just keep yep. producing and I fertilize them. Hey Barb I wanted to interrupt to, to talk about I got a uh, an, uh from, the, from our Facebook somebody who was listening to us responded about something we were talking to earlier so she might have missed when you were first talking about the good news she says I miss what um, what lake Barb said was so clean around here, and she says also where is the park with the Sitting Bull statue? So just to she just okay. asked that. So let's talk about that just a little bit.
1: Well, you know, Duck Lake is uh, right outside of Madison Lake. You'd go to Madison Lake, and then um, uh, you'd take when you come into town, you'd take a a, a, a left. And then you'll see Duck Lake, uh, just a really, really nice lake, um, you know, about 10 minutes from, yeah. from Mankato. It's great. They have a bathhouse there. Uh, they have lots of picnic tables, really nice sandy beach. Um, so, you know, be, please, by all means, go out there and see if you like to fish. And if you have children or grandchildren, you want a safe place for them to stand and fish, there's plenty of room on that new dock to do that. And then Benson Park... I have to admit, I have never been to Benson Park.
0: Oh, it's in Upper North Mankato, yeah.
1: It is, it is. It's one
0: of the newer parks, even.
1: It is, and I think it's that that direction past the industrial park Mm -hmm. where the city seems to be going, because I think it was farmland at one time, not long ago. So I think think that's what they've taken. So... um, Yeah, check that out. I want to do that, too. And, you know, there was another article in the paper which is sad about Unimen and um, Covia now and how they filed for bankruptcy, and they're the people that had...
0: Oh, the Casota Prairie, is that the one you're talking about?
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And they're not sure what the future of that will be, but that was... and, And we've been visiting that. That's about... 35 acres, and our own Mark Halverson has been so instrumental with that and with the people of Casota Prairie. That's, that's a great prairie, too. So I hope that uh, that won't be part of what um, their assets are and it's sold off. It would be nice if, especially if they've used some federal dollars, it might have to stay in perpetuity. Per, perpetuity mm-hmm. so that it can't be destroyed. It might have to be kept in that prairie. And I, and I hope that's true. So we'll have to stay tuned and watch watch what's going to happen with that. I, but,
0: I know there's an organization called Save the Casoda Prairie, and I know you yes. can find it on Facebook, so maybe if people want more information, they could check that out as well. Yep, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Great, great organization. And they had a great um, relationship with, uh, uh, with the owners of that and um and they would have open houses and they'd give tours and it was just really a, a learning especially in the early days when we were just starting to, to realize that the that, that prairie wouldn't be with us much longer if we didn't start saving it. So um, yeah, that that's just just a great place to go too if you well, want, you know, walk and you see these unexpected things like butterflies and bees
0: and well, and, and you know the prairies are made of nature, uh, the native plants, which is a really cool thing because we can incorporate those natives in our own property, which I've been doing down at the lakeshore, which is so cool because instead of like turf grass, which has the you know only a couple inches of roots, these natives, some of those roots go down sixteen feet, Barb. So imagine how they're soaking up. Yeah you know any materials yes. so when you go out to those prairie sites like you mentioned the Casota Prairie or even the Miniopa Park uh you yes. can see a lot of that and you can say wow I could have some of these in my own yard so you know you might want to look at that and, and and consider that
1: yes and remember last year when Miniopa Park had the uh, gathering of seeds and, and yes Dave and I were out there and we had there was groups of um the I mean, Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts were out there with their leader. There was a girls' group; they were out there with their leader, and they were gathering seeds. and And Steve told us when we got all done, you know, I eat, I'll just never forget these little boys that they had gathered seeds, and then we were sorting them. and uh, And he told them, you know, you have just done six thousand dollars worth of, of seeds for, for for prairie grasses for. Prairie these little boys, they were so delighted. I don't think they'll ever forget uh, the good deed that they'd done and how they had saved something. It was just really a, a boost to them. So, <clears throat> you know, um, <clears throat> I think... Anytime you can get children out in nature, any oh, of right. us. And, and I read your article that you sent about mental health and gardening.
0: Yeah, and there there was a great article talking about how gardening helps our mental health. Which I mean, I guess I know that, but it was neat to see somebody had studied that.
1: Yes, and you know, it's not just being out in nature, but it's also using plants in your home. Mm-hmm. That they say will lift your spirit as well. And when David was. Um, that nine months in the hospital in rochester um, and i would walk the hallways especially when i was over in the clinic park they had just all kinds of, of plants growing in their big windows and that and then when he was well enough so we could put him in a wheelchair and wheel him outside they had areas that were planted just for people coming to meditate and rest and just and it made such a difference in his spirit and in my spirit, I mean, it just fluffed up my spirit, and and even when I didn't take him, and I would go down there, it caused you to think about um, the future mm-hmm. and the importance of nature and things, things are, that are bigger than you, that you, you know, um, and and that was great. That. So, I know that plants are, are really, really important. And hey, if we have time, you know the cold frame I have in my backyard?
0: Yes, the one that you have with, so you can capture heat in the early day, you know, earlier in the year to capture heat so you can start plants earlier. Yes, I know yeah, about that. And- And you can also,
1: because it has a cover on it Mm -hmm. with glass windows in it, you also can plant things in the fall that are ready to start growing in the spring. Spinach is one of those things that you can do that with. And last year we'd gotten these iris from our friend um, Diane Diane Dunham, and I really didn't have a place to put them, so I cropped the tops on them and I put them in there, and They did just really remarkable. But now that I moved, I had a plant for you and a plant for me. The roots on them, they have a rhizome. Right. And the rhizome is kind of a a textury, woody thing. And then off from that, you get these roots. I've never seen roots grow that big. The roots were six inches long on them. Wow. Yeah, because they had that perfect soil, Mm -hmm. and they'd gotten in there, and they didn't have such a severe winter. I had lots of grass clippings in there covering everything. Um, So, you know, um, a coal frame, if you have a few boards, and you can get an old storm window, so you can hinge it and lift it up and down, that is a good investment. That is a real good investment for gardeners.
0: And if we can borrow Dave, maybe, too. (laughs)
1: you know i i think as as talented as dave is i think you could go online and you could see how to do that okay (laughs) and i think even you and i could do that karen we could construct one of those you make it slanted because you don't want the snow to crush these windows you
0: you make it slanted so barb i hate to interrupt but we are out of time however i want to let you know we did get a text from a listener it says please tell barb she's a wonderful lady And that is from our friend Dustin Wilmus. So that was really nice of him to to comment on that. And Dustin, I agree. She is a wonderful lady. So.
1: I'll tell you what, Dustin has just been a joy to us when he was at our station at KTOE, and it was so great to see that he's got a child. He's going to be such a great father and introduce him <laughs> to nature and really get out with him. He's a real hands-on daddy.
0: Yes, he is. He's a good guy. Well, thank you, Barb. It's great yep. to chat with you. Hey, Barb, there's a lot of uh, sales in nurseries, and I'm going to head up to one uh, that that's got a sale. It's a great time to plant in the fall, so just FYI.
1: Yes, and you have a good week and get outside too and enjoy yourself.
0: Thanks, Barb. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, there are.